verses, and then we're going to work our way down through uh, the other verses and uh, begin reading in verse number 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages to the Samaritans, of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I want to think on our subject this morning. Our title will very simply be Salvation, the Bible Way. Salvation, and I thought about putting a comma there so we could stop for just Salvation, the Bible Way. I've learned over these decades of study in the scripture that the Bible is consistent throughout. When it comes to this matter of salvation, it's always been the same. The scriptures of the Old Testament, the scriptures of the New Testament, all the way from the beginning of God's salvation plan there in the Garden of Eden, and uh, the offering and the substitutionary sacrifice it has been God's plan of salvation all through the ages. It was true in the days of Noah when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We are justified by faith. And those have never changed. It has never changed. And so when we talk about salvation, we need to talk about salvation the Bible way. Salvation the Bible way. And I think that you'll find it that all of the subjects of the Bible are consistent in this respect. You'll not find contradictory uh, contra uh, uh, comments or, or verses on any subject in the Bible. There's a rule or there's a law that is written in the Scripture, and it's, it's called the law of first mention. And if it's mentioned in context elsewhere in the Scripture, It'll be consistent all the way through the scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. You'll find it always the same. And so that's my premise this morning, salvation the Bible way. Doesn't matter whether it's this story or any other story. The ones that our Lord spoke about, the ones that we see in the Old Testament of people coming to a knowledge of Christ and salvation that God has provided. And so we're, there's some lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And um, here's some important things that we learn. And this is not part of the message. But when you, when you look at the fullness of this passage of Scripture, ever how many verses that is from 25 to 40, you find these five things of great importance. And you need to make this, this uh, at least a mental note of it. Uh, the importance of communion. The importance of communion. I'm not talking about, and this one is important here, this do in remembrance of me. I'm not talking about the bread and, and, the, and the juice. I'm not talking about a communion or the Lord's Supper. But I'm talking about communion with God. I'm not talking about prayer with God. I'm not talking about a devotional with God. I'm not talking about the worship of God. I'm not talking about the praises of God they all have their place. But we should be in communication with God. Had Philip not been in communion with God, we probably wouldn't have this story in the scripture. And then also the importance of obedience. He didn't only commune with God and get instructions from God, but he followed up what God had told him to do. 
how important that is in your life and in my life. I could tell you story after story. When God told me to do something specifically, did I always do it? Sadly, I didn't. But I can well remember the times that I did and the results of being obedient to Him. The importance of communion, the importance of obedience, the importance of witnessing. Um, it's still real and it's still true. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that winneth souls, the Baptist didn't make up that term, soul winners. And I know ultimately that we don't win anybody to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God and God himself and the Son of God. And they, the, the souls that are one come through them. But we have the responsibility of being a witness and ultimately soul winners for Christ. The importance of the scripture. And you'll see that as we read down through the verses. And then if we're going to stay with our text about salvation the Bible way, we're going to have to talk about the importance of believing. The importance of believing. Believe and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so our thought this morning is salvation the Bible way. Not necessarily it should be, of the Baptist way as well. And I've come to this conclusion, if we don't agree with the Bible, we're wrong. It doesn't matter whatever the context is or whatever the thought is, whatever the subject matter is. If, we, if our thoughts aren't in line with Scripture, it is we that are wrong and not God's Word. We're living in a day and hour where that's not really a thinkable solution to things. Everybody wants to have their own plan and have their own way. And uh, regardless of what the Bible said, I had a, a lady, a woman at least, to tell me one time, she said, I don't care what the Bible says, I know what I believe. Now, not many people are going to say that out loud, but there's a lot of people think that way, don't they? doesn't matter what the Bible says about it. I'm going to do my own thing. You'll be like Elvis Presley and have it your way, but you'll be wrong, ultimately wrong. And so the importance of believing. Now, there are three characters that are given to us in this story, three primary characters, I should say, and I'm leaving out a lot of stuff here uh, for the sake of time. And um, in verse number 27, uh, it talks about, uh, let's read a little bit of the verse. And he arose and went, and behold, a man. The first character that we see in our story is a man, just a common man. We don't know his name. We don't know a whole lot about him. We, knew, uh, no, we know a few things about him. Uh, he is a eunuch, and the word in this context simply means one who makes up the beds. And so he was in charge of the bedchamber and, and working, apparently. Uh, he had more responsibility than that. He had authority, as mentioned here. He was also uh, the keeper of the treasure for the queen, and so he was a very important person. But we don't know a whole lot more about him. But we do know this about him because he's a man. And I wrote down, he is a sinner. You see, ladies and gentlemen, because we're born sinners, therefore we must be born again. It has been said, if you've been born once, you'll die twice. If you've, been if you've been born twice, then you'll only die one time. And that is true to the scripture. There is a second death. It's made mention of in the epistles and also in the book of Revelation. And so if you've only been born the one time, you're in the same condition as this man. He is a sinner. By the way, we're all sinners. But thank God, some of us have been saved by grace. And that's the only difference in us. 
And so it's important to understand and, and identify these three different individuals, three characters in our story. The first one being a man, representing all mankind. He is a sinner. In verse number 31, the Bible changes around, and he said, how can I accept some man? And now we have someone else involved. He's a soul winner. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the importance of being a witness. And, and he goes out and he witnesses for our Lord. And then the third one, and the most important one in our story, if you could, if you could uh, count it that way, is found uh, in, um, in verse number 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this, himself, or look at this, some other man. I preached from this text many years ago, and one of the men came to me after the service. They'd moved here years before, and he said, well, he said, my pastor used to preach from this text, and he titled his message, Three Men in a Wagon. A man, some man, and some other man. The first man, the a man, is the sinner. The some man is the soul winner. The some other man is doubtless the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a pretty good combination. You got a sinner here, you got a witness here, and you got the Son of God all in the same wagon. Later on, I preached the message again, and I titled it Three Men in a Wagon. <laughs> Three Men in a Wagon. Salvation the Bible way. Not only do we see, and I must hurry along, we see that uh, this other man, and it's obvious that, that the scripture wasn't talking about anyone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, matter of fact, the, even the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit according to John chapter number 15 and John chapter number 16, it said when he has come, he will not speak of himself, but he will glorify me, that is the Son of God. At the end of chapter number 15, Jesus is saying something like this. And he said, and you as well, because you have been with me from the beginning, you will speak of me. It's our responsibility to herald the name of Jesus Christ. We're to sing about it. We're to talk about it. We're to preach about it. We're to teach about it. We're to live for Jesus Christ. Salvation the Bible way. Not only do we see there are three characters in the story, there are three components to our story. In verse number 29, and I'll just go through these because I, go, I want to get to the third and final point while I still have voice. And so you be ready, Brother Jonathan. In uh, verse number 29, we, here's, another, here's another lesson that we learn. And this is, this is, these, these components cannot be taken out of the story. Number one, the Holy Spirit is working. Can you believe that? Don't you know that uh, he was sent into this world and uh, Jesus says, uh, as, as uh, the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And he did not send us on this journey alone, but he, left the Holy, he sent the Holy Spirit back after he ascended up into heaven. The Holy Ghost ascended on the day of Pentecost and he has been here to assist God's people and to assist the church and to build the kingdom of God. The Holy Ghost is working. He's working. I remember Brother Montgomery mentioned when he got saved in September of 1972. I got saved in April of 1972. 
And I didn't know at that time, but I can look back and see where the Holy Ghost was working on me. Here's something else in verse number 32. The Word of God is working. This Ethiopian eunuch, he's in his chariot and he's riding along and he has a copy of the text. I don't know if they were giving them away at the revival meeting in Jerusalem and handing out bearing precious seed Bibles. I don't know how he got it, but he had a copy of the book of Isaiah and he's reading it. And the Word of God is working. It's not my outline. It's not my message. It's not my thoughts. It's not my delivery. It's not my eloquence. It's not my scholarship, which I have very little of. If there's anything happens, it's going to happen because, number one, the Holy Ghost is working. Number two, the Word of God is working. Say, why are you so favorable to the Bible? Don't you know that we're living in a day and hour, you know, where it's just an old archaic book with a bunch of old-time stories in it? I'm telling you, this book is alive this morning. As much as anything that God has breathed on and given inspiration to, the Word of God is alive, and we don't have any hope outside of it. I'm working on a message, and I almost changed it this morning. But I want to stay with where I'm at. Let me move on. And, uh, and then in verse number 37, the Son of God is working. The Son of God is working. Now I want to come to the meat of the message very quickly. There are three comparisons made in this story, and that's why our title is Salvation the Bible Way. There are three things that are in this story, even though they happened 2,000 years ago, they are contemporary of the day that you and I live in. They are common to the day that you and I live in. Things, God's Word is unchanging. doesn't matter how much society changes and how much the world changes. doesn't matter how much the Baptists change and uh, they are changing liberalism and modernism and, and uh, contemporariness and everything is just infiltrating the Baptist churches as it has in every other area. God's Word hasn't changed. Amen. God's Word hasn't changed. I know that there is a, there's a, there's a religion out there, there is a so-called salvation out there that is some kind of a feel-good experience. And by the way, salvation does feel good. And uh, there's a salvation that is out there that, that uh, and I don't even have time to get into the definition of it all this morning, but I just, I just came by to tell you that God's salvation plan has not changed. Salvation, the name may be different, the scenes may be different, the situations may be different, but salvation is never different. It is always grace. It is always faith. It is always the blood. It is always repentance. It is always confession of Jesus Christ resulting in forgiveness and justification and a change of life and a change of destiny and a change of eternity. It never is any different than that. And I'm not being judgmental. We're living, a, we're living in a day and hour that if you define a situation by the Word of God, you're being judgmental. Would you just have to, you just have to name me judgmental? That's, isn't it true? 
Uh, it's, it's, it's become so true. And, and these little phrases like, you know, he that, um, um, that, that uh, judge not that you be not judged, the average person cannot even give you the place or the context of that, of that verse. Can't even give it to you. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. And so now, if we judge a situation, if we say anything about anything, whether it's social or political or whatever, or spiritual or, or religious or whatever the case may be, if we say what the Bible says about it, we're being judgmental. Well, you might as well handcuff me and take me off to jail because I'm still going to define things according to this word and not according to the day and hour that we live in. I know... Uh, I'm, I know I'm running out of space and I'm running out of time, but I'm planning on running the rest of my race like I ran the beginning of my race. And so here's the three comparisons. Verse 27 and verse 29. I'll just give you the thoughts and we'll be ready not to go home. We'll be ready for the invitation. Three comparisons. First of all, Verses 27 through 29, they talk about his, his destiny, his destiny. Sure. And, uh, and the reality of it is, everybody is on a journey, aren't they? One person a little different than another person, but it is obvious that the Bible, the, the Bible speaks of this so that we can understand that, that it's not just a story about this Ethiopian eunuch. But it's a story about life itself. And it talks about the destiny of man. He's on a journey. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Sometimes people are on the wrong road. Sometimes people are at the fork in the road. But everybody is on a journey. Here's another one. In verses 30 through verse number 34, and we'll probably take time to read these verses. His depravity. Oh, yeah. Notice what he said in these verses. In verse number 30, begin with me. In uh, verse number 30, and he said these words. He said, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet of Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? We can stop there for now. How can I? And so we see not only is everybody that's part of the human race, all of the homo sapiens, all of the human race, every single one are on a journey. On a journey. The destiny, their destiny. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But this matter of depravity, now you know that I'm not Calvinist, you know, you know where we stand on all those kind of things, but the reality of it is, Man is, it's not that man's without help. And it's not that man's without hope. It's just that within himself, he has no hope. And he has no help. We cannot lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. We can't pick ourselves up. We can't, it, it took Jesus Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary, reaching up and touching heaven, reaching down and touching you and me, and bringing us together in God. We could not do it ourselves. So 
In all actuality, we are a depraved people. Said that he couldn't understand. The Bible said these words in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And that's where you were before the Holy Spirit of God came and shed the light of God's truth in the innermost part of your being and helped you to understand that outside of Jesus Christ, it's not anything that the Baptist can do. It's not anything that the preacher could do. It's not anything that mom and daddy could do. But only Jesus Christ could bridge the gap between the depravity of man and the divineness of God. And that's it in a nutshell. Education cannot do it. Life experience cannot do it. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, to get out of the state that all men are born. They're all born with a destiny, and they're all born depraved when it comes to salvation. And then finally, there's verses 35 through verse 39, beginning in verse number 35, and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. <laughs> Before God laid the mud seals of this old earth, Jesus was ordained to come and to die for the sins of all the world. You know that to be true. There's one thing that is consistent all through the scripture and that is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus or not at all. There's some people rather be a Baptist than be born again. I've met people rather be a deacon than be born again. They'd rather have a place. They'd rather have a position. They'd rather have the feel-goodness of, of, of some kind of experience. But I say take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Whew. Thank you, Brother Montgomery, for that great Sunday school message this morning. It stirred my heart up. makes me want to run in a different direction. Anyway, now, verses 35 through verse 39 is his decision. A lot of people don't like the usage of that word. But the reality of it is, it best explains what happens to every person that hears the gospel. Whether you hear the gospel in this setting, in a church service, whether you hear it on uh, the television, or riding down the road in your automobile, and you've got the WZYN on, and some great preachers preaching, whether you're right, we had a man get saved several years ago riding down the road in his dump truck. Pulled it over on the side of the road and got saved. But salvation is a decision. A decision. 
Matter of factly, when you are exposed to the gospel for the first time or the second time or whatever time it is, every, every time the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart about it, there's a decision to be made. You will make a decision. You, I, I took some examples out of the scripture and we'll close with these. Um, some choose to wait. I've seen that so very many times, and, and I'm sure Pastor Allen, Pastor Montgomery, and others that have been around church for, some, for a period of time, I'm sure that you've seen people that they just chose to wait. We have an example in the scripture. These words were said, when I have a convenient season. That's Felix. The apostle was witnessing to him. You know, we always, <clears throat> we always misquote that verse. And uh, every time I quote it, and I, had, I went back, after I read it, I read it this morning again uh, of my notes, and I said, I, I thought it said a more convenient season, but it doesn't say that at all. Felix didn't say when he was exposed to the gospel that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll consider this at a more convenient time. That changes the whole complex of the sentence. When he said that at a convenient time, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. It doesn't have to be anything off the chart. He's just saying, I'll think about it at a convenient time. And that gives him a lot of latitude as far as when he'll consider this matter of salvation. Some choose to wait. Number two, some come very close. The words are found in the scripture of Agrippa. Paul, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The Ethiopian eunuch, he had a, he had a choice to make. They're riding along and, he, and they said, and there's some water. And he says, um, oh, he speaks to Philip and he said, what hindereth me to be baptized? Well, I believe people ought to be baptized, don't you? And Philip said some very profound words. Notice what he said. He said, uh, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Huh? What about that? And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe you can get in on that? I believe you can. I believe you can get in on, remember, Lord remembers me when thou, you know, I believe you can, I don't remember what I prayed that night. It's not important. I'd be trusting in that. I'd be, I'd, if, if, I, if I could remember what I prayed that night, Brother Allen, I'd probably spend the rest of my life making sure. Now, did I say the right thing? Did I, you know, did I, did I say the right words? And, and, uh, did, and he said, I believe Jesus. Can I say this? You can't go to hell trusting Jesus. Some choose to wait. You could be in that category this morning. Some come very close. I've had them, and they'd be at the altar, and all they had to do was give in, give out, and give up. They had to hold on. They couldn't. They just couldn't 
perceive that if they would just call on the name of the Lord. I'm talking about salvation in the Bible way now. Here's another one. Some choose to wait when I have a convenient season. Some come very close, almost thou persuadest me. I've had people say that, walk out the door and say that. Man, you almost got to me. I was, uh, I was talking to a fellow about three weeks ago. Known him for a long time. He's not a Christian. He needs, he needs the Lord, and he had gone to church. I think it was, uh, might have been Mother's Day. He had gone to church, I think somewhere over in, in Lanier County. And he'd gone to church, and he was talking to me, and he knows I'm a preacher and pastor, and, and I was, uh, we were just having casual conversation. And um, he'd come over to my house, and, um, and he said, I ain't going back to that church again. I said, why not? He said, that preacher almost got to me. Almost got to me. I said, he's doing his job. Almost. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Here's another one. Some are consumed with abundance according to the scripture. You know the story in Luke chapter number 12. Luke gives us these words. Of course, it's the, the words of our Lord. Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. And uh, he, he's, um, here's somebody that's consumed with the abundance of things. And yet Jesus had warned there in, in Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 15, he said, uh, For life consisteth not in the abundance of things that a man possesseth. And yet this fellow had barns and filled barns and built more barns. <coughs> and now he comes to the place and he said, he said, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. But these eternal words rang out and said, Thou fool, this day thy soul will be required of thee. Everybody has a decision to make. Have you made yours? You see, some choose to wait. Some come very close. I miss one. Some just walk away. Some just walk away. I miss this one. The rich young ruler. When, uh, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. In Matthew, he said that he went away very sorrowful. He had heard what he needed to do to be saved, and yet he walked away. Some walk away. Some are consumed with abundance. Here's another one. Some are so ensnared with the cares of life. For as a snare it shall come upon all men that dwell upon the face of the whole earth, according to Luke. There's, there's a trap. And people get entrapped by the, by the world in, in, the, um, in that context. He, he talks about several things and, and uh, being ensnared by the, by the things of the world. They're so consumed with abundance and they're so ensnared by the cares of this life. And they're not always bad things, the responsibilities that we have. And we can be so consumed and, and so ensnared about making a good living for our families and, and making sure, you know, we have plenty of time for uh, these events and those events and everything else. And, and there's so many things that will ensnare us as far as the cares of this life. There's only two more and I'll be done. There's many more. Some delay get, getting ready. They wait too long. This is the story of the uh, ten virgins. 
five that, ten that had lamps and five that had oil in their lamps. The bridegroom came, and here's the words, and they that were ready, those that had lamps with oil in their lamps, went with him to the marriage. And listen to these words. Just like in the days of Noah, when God closed the door, the door was shut. And they're knocking on the door and they're screaming out, share your all with us. The door was now closed. Some delay getting ready too long. I don't even know if that's a good sentence. They wait too long. And then finally, some just refuse to be saved. But everybody makes a decision. Everyone makes a decision. Some refuse to be saved. And he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed without remedy. The words of Solomon. The wisest man ever lived on the earth outside the Lord Jesus Christ. Just refuse to be saved. There, I know there's situation where people become reprobate, void of judgment, and uh, there are people who have their conscience seared with a hot iron so that they're not, there, there are people who have gone so far in their sins that it just seems like they, they, don't, they don't see any consequences to their sin. You say when a person gets to the place that they harden their neck, they won't bow. shall suddenly be cut off without remedy. Salvation the Bible way. The story is the same anywhere in the Gospels, anywhere in the prophets, in any town, in any city, in any church today. These things always run parallel. Your life and in my life, when I was studying this message this week, I just thought back on my own life, on my own life. My destiny, the journey that I was on, going down the wrong road. But I'm thankful that when I had an opportunity to make that decision, I chose Christ. Would you stand with us for prayer this morning? Thank you for your prayers. There's one here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Our message is to you today. It's not salvation the Baptist way. It's salvation the Bible way. Salvation the Bible way.